The Ask a CEO Show is brought to you by Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning agency telling personal and brand stories for more than 30 years. From strategy to production and execution, they are a true full-service agency. Check them out today at LorraineGregory.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Ask a CEO Show. Ask a CEO interviews bring us inside the corner office and C-suite for discussions with top executives about their journey to leadership and the reality of running their companies today. Our host, Greg Demetrio, is the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, an award-winning integrated marketing company. He is also the founder of gregscorneroffice.com, the home of the Ask a CEO interviews. Greg has been in the business for over 30 years. He is a resource to the media, an invited columnist and speaker on marketing and business topics. Over the years, Greg has talked to hundreds of CEOs and executives about what it took to make it to the corner office and what it is really like being the leader of their companies. And now, he brings those conversations to you. Here's Greg now. Welcome, everybody, to Ask a CEO. I'm Greg Demetrio, the CEO of Lorraine Gregory Communications, and the Ask a CEO interview show brings us inside the C-suite for a conversation with the leaders of some really important and impressive companies. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Tom Gretsch, who is the president and CEO of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. But before we go into the interview, let me tell you a little bit about Tom. He's the president and CEO of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce, and it's the, com- the, the chamber is actually the oldest and largest business association in Queens, and it represents more than 1,150 businesses and more than 100,000 Queens-based employees. Tom holds a BS in accounting uh, from the University of Scranton, an MBA in international business, very impressive, from, from Manhattan College. And before coming to the Queens Chamber, he served as a supply chain executive with Sony, he was a managing director at JG, JJT and Energy, and he's an assistant professor of business at Farmingdale State College and a director of sales for CCI Energy Solutions and their partner, Breakwater Ventures. So for those who are not familiar or, or outside the New York area, Queens County is one of the five boroughs of New York City, and it's geographically located just across the river from Manhattan. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Greg, thanks so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. It's been a, it's an honor, and I haven't seen you in a long time, but it's great to be on the air. That's correct. Full disclosure, Tom and I go back uh, more than a handful of years, uh, and uh, watching his progress has been very impressive to me. So, Tom, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your personal journey to running such an important business engine in, 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 uh, in New York. Thank you so much. Uh, so um, I'm a son of Astoria, Queens. Uh, my mom and dad were both raised there. I uh, then we moved out to Rockville Center, Long Island, where I was mostly raised. Uh, I happened to be the first in my family to go to college. I'm the grandson of immigrants. Uh, on my dad's side, it's Maltese, and on my mom's side, it's Austrian and German. So uh, I'm a classic American mutt that came from uh, from very <laughs> humble beginnings, and I'm very proud and honored to uh, to live my life that way. Um, I, uh, I really enjoyed the University of Scranton. I've, I've since become the alumni president there. Mm. And then thanks to the opportunities supported by my, one of my first major employers, R.R. Donnelly and Sons Company, I uh, was able to have my MBA paid for over the course of five years. And uh, a, a, proud, a proud son of Scranton and a proud son of Manhattan College up in Riverdale. 
Well, that's a very impressive international business, though. That's that's very interesting to me. So, what 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 made you gravitate towards that? It's a great question. So, uh, I was uh, I started off at Donnelly in the customer service department, hitting a Xerox button. And I know you're in that business, or at least were for a, a long time. Your business has evolved, but yeah. I was a copy operator right out of college, and uh, truly enjoyed the experience. Donnelly was a great company. Uh, grew by leaps and bounds, and I got myself transferred from Philly back to New York. Uh, and when I was asked right around 1993, when the U.S., Canada, and Mexico joined NAFTA, mm. uh, uh, when you're a salesperson, you have to have a certain edge. And I, I, I grew that persona over the course of time. Somebody said, there's this thing called NAFTA going on. Does anybody speak Spanish? So I did not, but I put my hand up and said, see. Sí. <laughs> uh, sometimes you got to fake it till you make it. I did, take, I did take high school Spanish. I learned books on tape. And uh, the international business part of the story was because Donnelly then opened up offices in Argentina, Mexico, and Chile. And I mm. grabbed my, uh, my translation guide and a visa passport. And off I went for uh, about a year traveling around opening up offices and uh, opportunities for Donnelly down there. Very nice. That's very, that's different. That is different. But I love the fact that you said, see, yeah. <laughs> you know, what did they say? You know, you, you find out what business you're in when you keep saying yes. Yeah. Right. And you keep so you've been at the chamber for some time now. Um, how long? So it's going to be five years this July at the Queens Chamber of I Commerce. Did. I did uh, my stint in the printing business at R.R. Donnelly and then Merrill Corporation. Uh, I did a stint at uh, Sony Corporation running the, yeah. uh, the, uh, Supply chain for a CD manufacturing organization, uh, energy with a dear friend and mentor that I know you know from Long Island, Bob Cattell, oh, yeah. uh, which led me to the Chamber of Commerce world, and uh, the rest is kind of history. So now you know. Tell us a little bit about the tenure since you've been there for five years. Maybe so, you could tell us about more about the the strength of the organization and why it's so important to the business community and you know, maybe what are some of the conditions you found when you got there? So the chamber's been around since 1911, and it is was an honor then, and it's still an honor now to be the president and CEO of this, of this organization. Um, since 1911, we've advocated, educated, and networked, and I have the archives here in my office, and I go through them once in a while just to keep myself grounded and realize what we were and what we've become. But the, the notion of educating, advocating, and network in 1911 when there was 500 um, cigar smoking uh, white white men at the Pierre Hotel in Tucks and Tails to the way it is now, right? We now have the most, and this is a great lesson, I think, for your, for your CEO and upper echelon uh, listeners and viewers, is <clears throat> the diversity of our world and the diversity of our city and, and by extension, our region. We are now the most diverse place on earth. We speak over 175 different languages. My staff alone, together with, with the team that I have in place, speaks about 13 different languages when we do our outreach. And so the Chamber's had a pivot over the last couple of years wow. in many ways. My, my, uh, my board of directors I inherited uh, understood that change was needed. We added a lot more board of directors, a lot of people that are diverse, Asian folks, women, people of color, and so on, Hispanics. And now we have one of the most diverse board of directors I think anywhere in the New York metropolitan area. In researching for the interview, I, I actually took a took a look at your site, and that's a pretty deep bench on the board of directors. Quite frankly, yeah. I, I was very impressed by that alone. They're How many members do you have on there? You must have thirty. We have thirty-five board members. That's correct, and it's you know it's kind of nice. I'm going to pick on one 
especially is a fellow named Joseph Matone, who came from very humble beginnings in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. He's an attorney. Uh, he grew a real estate uh, uh, empire for a while, and it was a great example of, of turning the page to a new generation. He was an able, capable, and a wonderful supporter of the Queen's Chamber of Commerce. And he came to me a couple of years ago and said, kid, my time has come and gone. Would you, be on, would you honor me by allowing my son to take my place? So the next generation has begun. And I, I admire that because sometimes in organizations, folks don't know when it's time to say when. And Joseph Matone Sr. is a gentleman, a great supporter. He's 86, 87 years old, still comes to our events. But his son, Carl, is now on the board, and Carl handles, uh, through his company, CFM Real Estate Projects throughout the area, and he also chairs my nominating committee. So, so it, was uh, important, it was important to him for a succession. Uh, absolutely, and, and a very and personal. And his son to your board. That's very impressive, again. Um, absolutely. So you have this huge, complex organization, multicultural, all different sized types of businesses. So how do you aid those members in their business endeavors? So I'm a big believer in, in competency counts. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I don't care about, I truly mean this, the color of your skin, your, your sexual orientation, none of that stuff matters to me. If you're a good, decent, hardworking person, and I don't judge anybody on that, by the way, but if you appear to be a good, decent, hardworking person trying to do better for yourself or for your family, I want you on my team as either a member or a volunteer. You know, Greg, I got asked a lot about the relative, and this is before the COVID and before some of the unrest that we had. I got asked all the time, how does a place that has the most diverse population in the planet, and that also includes religions. I have Muslims, I have people of the Jewish persuasion, Christians, and so on, you name it, Hindus. How do we, why do you get along so much? Well, why, why is there such little, generally, strife? And I keep telling people, they're living the dream. The moms and the dads, the husbands and the husbands, the wives and the wives, whatever their predilection is, they're all too busy working to fight with each other. They're all too much out there trying to live that dream. And nothing makes me ha happier when I walk down the street and I see a woman in a burqa or, 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 or somebody coming out of a, ma a mosque and a little, a little kid, five, six, seven years old, is wearing a Mets hat, right? Ma, what's for dinner, right? The diversity is unbelievable, and I personally happen to love that. You're a global, global organization. I mean, what else could you add to make more, more something more diverse? I don't think you can, actually. Uh, what but, we're trying to do is we're trying to add <clears throat> some of the Fortune 500 because I'm a big believer in, in, um, in product marketing. Yes. And if you're, if you're like uh, Procter & Gamble out of Cincinnati and you want to advertise, you want to grow your, your product line, let's say it's Tide, right? Uh, instead of going to some foreign country and testing it in a place that might not be necessarily secure or you don't know the borders or you don't know the local come to queens mm. test tied in espanol in jackson heights in east elmhurst i'm telling you and some some of the countries out there there's more people now in this country and in queens than there are in their native country the way it's grown so much so i, I have to ask you in my mind queens missed one of the biggest opportunities they were ever going to get with the whole amazon fiasco could you give us your take on that? Yes, uh, probably the saddest day of my life when they pulled out. I was in a meeting with the other 35 people that were planning this thing at an eight o'clock meeting in Long Island City. I get back to the office and I get a phone call about, Rich, did you hear the news? What happened? I was shocked then and I'm still shocked now. The time has kind of healed the wounds, but what I tell people all the time is that all the things that attracted Amazon to this area, Queens in particular, then all, ex all exist now. 
Um, people complain about transit and travel. We have one of the most robust transit systems in the world here, going through New York City and Long Island with the LIRR and the subways and the bus lines. So the transportation piece was a huge part, not to mention the two, airlines, the two airports. Uh, the diversity, as we talked about, was huge. And then our academic institutions. Queens is home to eight colleges and universities. Queens College, which I, I generally tend to pick on and, 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 and tease them about in a very positive way, has the largest number of computer science graduates of any school in the five boroughs of New York City. More computer science majors. So when we talked about the freedom train and bringing people up from lower middle class to middle class to, to, yeah. to higher, higher heights, um, I looked at it as a freedom train. And that freedom train ran from Casino Boulevard, where, where Queens College is, right to the Annabelle Basin, about 8.8 .8 miles. That would have been a big impact. And if you think about coulda, woulda, shoulda, Greg, yeah. in the, you know, what's going on with COVID right now, all that construction would have been going on. All those jobs would have been prepped. It's almost too much. But you know what? We're, we're bouncing back. And we're also reaching out to our friends in Nassau and Suffolk, uh, people like Eric Alexander, people like Kevin yeah. Law that runs the LIA, because we all are are in this together so, when it comes to reaching so how do you protect how do you protect against that happening again? It's a really tough challenge. You know, um we're we're a not-for-profit 501c3, so we don't jump into political for a phrase because of the nature. But um what I will tell you is I was able to convince my board. Uh, without without too much convincing necessary to form a political action committee yeah, in the process of forming the pact because I am personally sick and tired of small businesses that get lots of conversation about how they're the backbone of the economy mm. and then some of our electeds, not all, but some of our electeds at every single level put onerous rules and regulations and basically stop these organizations from growing. Yeah. We have had enough. We're mad as hell, not taking it anymore, and that's how we intend to leverage those situations. You know, it's interesting. I was—I'm actually a, an alumni from the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, run out of Long Island City College in LaGuardia. Great, great and organization. I'm very familiar with Long Island City. I was there back and forth for three or four months, quite frankly. And in that program, there's a lot of diversity similar to your population, and it's true that this is the backbone of the economy. The people you support, the, my business, we're all the small business people. But guess what? You have 100,000 employees under your mantle. That's a big number, right? Absolutely. So we could probably talk about this part of it for several hours, just you and I. But I really want to get into, our guests are always want to know about management style. In, in What CEOs have different styles than they have? So. Could you tell me how Tom Gresh approaches the job of the top executive at the Queen's Chamber of Commerce? Um, Some you know, of your core beliefs and, sure. and your values in terms of leadership. It's funny you say that and ask that question because it's a really important one. So I, I look for local and, and close, close to the vest uh, impacts and leadership. So my dad, 87 years old, retired in Florida, um, went from the U.S. Navy to the phone company for 35 years, started off climbing telephone poles worked himself up the ranks. This is more of a family thing than anything else, but you know, you know, never step on the guy below you because along the along the course of the career, they might they might overtake you and and be ahead of you and always treat people with respect. My dad small business task force to get these businesses back up and running. And what I tell people all the time is put yourself in the shoes of the consumer. When I take my wife and two kids into Queens, 
and I want to go to a new restaurant or a place that's now becoming open because of the post-COVID situation, walk a mile in that person's shoes as a consumer. I'm not going to walk into a place where there's a, there's a short order cook or there's a guy in the back, a chef, not wearing a mask, not socially distancing, walk a mile in their shoes, right? So the other part of that question, Greg, is also about consensus. I've never been very dictatorial. It just goes against my grain. Um, I coach my kids in CYO, and, and the whole coaching experience to me is, is a wonderful thing. But I think, you know, the consensus part of the puzzle is getting input from people, getting their ideas and thoughts. At the end of the day, if you're the CEO, you're the president, you have to make a decision, right? We had to make a decision to close the office. We had a plan in place to be opened after March 15th for a couple of weeks, half the staff in, half the staff out. When the, the news broke about how, how bad it was going to be, <clears throat> up till then I had consensus from everybody. And then I had to make a decision, which was a tough one, to close the office and everybody had to work from home. Yeah. Were you prepared for that? You know what? As best as we could. I've uh, I basically mastered Zoom, WebEx, and uh, Google Google Meetups simply yeah. because of, of, of necessity, right? Like many of us have. And uh, I've always been pretty adept with some of the technology out there, especially on the web. But uh, we were prepared. My staff didn't miss the beat. We had tens upon tens of virtual town halls, and that's going to continue yeah. for a while as well. I noticed. I noticed. So advice. What's the best piece of advice, either personal or business or both, that you've received over time? I think that's a, another really good question for people getting into the workforce and younger people and any, anybody, right? So I'll never forget when I made the transition at Donnelly from customer service into sales, and I got my first big fat commission check. A really nice check, right? And I was ready to go out and blow it on a car or whatever else. And a seasoned salesman who had been there for a while said, Tom, you know what? Go out, have a nice dinner, get a bottle of champagne, maybe pay off some debts. But if I'm you, I wouldn't buy that car. I would just live below your means. Live below your means. At the end of the day, and you look at it right now, people have credit card debt like crazy. They bought houses they couldn't afford. They buy things they can't afford. It just gives you peace of mind. So again, live below your means. And then what I tell my kids, and they'll, they'll tell you in Malvern and Our Lady of Lords, where I, where I raise them and where we play basketball, it's always about never surrender, never give up, never, never, ever give up. Because at the end of the day, you'll find a way to persevere and get through. And it's a really important notion, whether it's a business situation or a personal yeah, situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's, those are good words of advice. Never give up. And live below your means. My dad, with an eighth grade education, told me from Jump Street, if you spend less than you bring in, you'll never be in trouble. Absolutely. So it's very similar. So tell me, what gets you up and going every day? You know, um, I've been here for going to be five years in July. And, you know, when you think about a legacy and what you want to do next, we've done a really good job of, of getting a lot of uh, discretionary funding from the city of New York and the state. And I, I have a great staff. I have a new uh, two, two years now, uh, chief of staff, chief of operations. That's just wonderful. Joanne just runs circles around me sometimes. And I'm, and I'm, I'm a hard charger, as you know, uh, I thought about that for a while, like what's next. And so that all changed when the COVID came. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't slowing down. I wasn't going to go into like, you know, low dry, lo low gear, but the COVID's kind of inspired me and the staff. Um, there's 27,000 restaurants in the five boroughs of New York, 27,000. 6,000 of those restaurants are in Queens. Really? 
It's my estimation, not anecdotal, but from looking around, being on the street, being on these phone calls, talking to people, getting the phone calls, and I'm talking like 24-7 since the COVID hit, that up to half, 3,000 of those 6,000 restaurants may never open again. So that's a troubling, troubling stat. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm repossessed. And, you know, we talked about up until um, some of the some of the, the riots and some of the some of the looting about our everyday heroes, those in law enforcement, those in uh, the fire, the FDNY, the EMS. And I don't just mean the city of New York across our city, across our region, across our country um, as as essential workers. I look at all of our workers in the small business world, Greg, and you know this better than anybody. Right. You're going to make payroll every two weeks. You're going to write that check to fund their fund the medical benefits. I am triply, doubly committed, whatever the terminology is, mm-hmm. to these businesses back up and running. And I'm looking at it as every day, what it gets me up every day is our everyday heroes. Those small mom and pops from, from Afghanistan to, 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 to Trinidad and Tobago, wherever they're from, um, that want to have a business, that have put their life savings into these businesses. It is my dedication for as long as they'll keep me at the chamber to continue to help those people. And they are my everyday heroes. Each and every day they go to work against crazy odds. And again, it's not just New York City, right? They said we work a lot on a regional level. We see what's going on. Um, but that's what keeps me going every single day. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a heavy lift for sure. And, and, you know, back to you show up every day and you work hard. You know, I think you can only be responsible for the effort. The result will take care of itself eventually. But Absolutely. if you're there and you show up and you work hard, it'll, it'll it'll get you where you need to go, right? So because the audience is a mix of CEOs and those working very hard to get to the corner office, what would you what advice would you have for them today? Um, that's another important one too. Uh, expect change. You talked about you know how do we react to the COVID thing, right? You know the Queen's Chamber of Commerce had in 2019 350 events, 350 wow. events with a staff of about 13 people. And that included events as small as five or six people in the conference room getting counsel and advice from an attorney about labor law to an expo at City Field that had thousands of people and New York Mets players and everything else. We went from 100 miles an hour to zero and change, right? What do we do? Well, we got a new Zoom account. We got a WebEx account. We had a pivot. So I think the most important part about that is, is getting ready for change. Nobody, I don't think anybody could have figured out or thought about how do you react to something like the COVID when nothing was going on. Like I said, I, I live in Malvern. I'm from Rockville Center. I drove those streets during the height of this thing. And to see nothing open was unbelievably disheartening. But you know what? People have to react. People have to adapt. And so I think the, the, the lesson of this, of this experience, this pandemic is it may not be, the, it certainly was maybe the first wide scale one. It probably will not be the last, and folks have to be ready for what might come wow. next. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it gives you pause for sure. It does. And so there's all kinds of people that are caught in the middle of all this, right? Because, you know, we talk in the, in the city about, in, a, in the city boundaries about being open at 75%, 80%, um, sorry, 80% uh, activity. They can't pay the rent at 80%. They, they can't pay the taxes. They can't pay the water bill, right? So it's a very, very difficult situation. Well, Tom, obviously the Queens Chamber of Commerce has a ton to offer. You guys, you just right there for your members every day, all day, 24-7. So I I would like you to tell the audience 
how they can contact you if they want more information. You know, I tell people all the time that business like life is the contact sport. So we don't have an ivory tower here in Queens. So if anybody wants to call me directly, I'm happy to give out my cell phone number. If the thing is busy, drop me a text or if the mailbox is full, but I'm honored to share it with your your uh, your audience. It's 917-865-2699. And my email address is T as in Tom Gretch. That's G-R-E-C-H at queenschamber.org. Otherwise, they can reach any of our programs and our folks via our website, which is queenschamber.org. I'd be happy to help anybody. Again, I joke with people like, uh, like, like Kevin Law from the LIA and other folks in the smaller chambers of commerce. At the end of the day, we have to all work together. The company transfers from Nassau into Queens because of some of the reasons they want to. We help support them any way we can and vice versa. The only enemies we have here are Connecticut and New Jersey. We want them to stay, <laughs> we want them to stay as New Yorkers, and uh, we're, all, we're all New Yorkers together. So uh, that's, that's, my, that's my thought about all that. Well, Tom, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on, on Ask a CEO. That's a wrap on another Ask a CEO interview. We hope you enjoyed the talk. We'd love to hear from you. Visit gregscorneroffice.com, click the Ask a CEO tab, search your favorite listening app or view on YouTube. Click the subscribe button and don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook. Until next time, goodbye from Ask a CEO.